All right, let's start tonight by talking to the kids. So, kids, okay, there were, there were probably several things that you get tired of hearing your parents say to you. So, even though you actually really need to hear them. So, uh, if I were to guess, probably the big three things you hear a lot are say you're sorry, especially if you have brothers or sisters, say please, and say thank you. Now, sometimes we need to be reminded that we are supposed to be thankful people, which is why our parents tell us so often when we forget to say thank you that we're supposed to be thankful people. But Psalm 33 teaches us, reminds us about being thankful people. This is a song of praise fueled by the experience of thanksgiving for who God is and what he has done for us. We are here in this portion of scripture called to praise and given reason to thanks. So we've been in the Psalms now for a while, haven't we? Uh, sadly, that's because we've been in lockdown for a while, but, but I hope we can still rejoice for spending some time in this Part of God's Word. When we first started this series of, of sorts, I gave you some principles for how I'm going to approach the Psalms and hopes that those principles would, would help you when you would come to the Psalms on your own as well. So it's been a while since I've repeated those back to you. I kind of didn't want to beat a dead horse and didn't want to get annoying by being too repetitive. But even though those principles have been active throughout all of these, I think it might be a good time to take stock of them again. So the, the overarching thing about the Psalms, right, is that it's a, it's a song book that God wrote for his people to use as, as we worship him. And, just, and it describes how God's people reacted, prayed, and praised through time, all sorts of different times, gladness and trial. That means the Psalms teach us how the godly should respond to the, to the full range of experiences that we encounter in the Christian life. We should read and sing the Psalms with that in mind. But more specifically, there, there are three questions that I've said we can ask each Psalm to help us apply these portions of God's word as we read them, consider them. So, so first, right, first question, what life situation would have caused the author of this psalm to write these words? Okay, so, so certainly God inspired every word of the psalms, but he did so through the Holy Spirit by using the experiences and thoughts of the original author. We can understand better what the original context of, of this psalm was by asking what kind of experience would prompt someone to pen the words before us. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is because the psalms are rooted so clearly in human experience, we can ask, how does this apply directly to us? So since these psalms are truly grounded 
in the, in the things that we encounter in the Christian life, we can make a pretty quick shift from what a psalm meant in the life of the original author to our own life. If this psalm was about the author processing lament in a godly way, well, it teaches us about processing lament in a godly way too. If the psalm was about thankfulness, as Psalm 33 is, then it teaches us something about that too. And then the third and lastly, how does this psalm point us to Christ? Christ is the, the scope, the, the point of all scripture. And, and each scripture points to Jesus in some way. So that is true of each psalm as well. And, and we should look to see how Christ is present in each of these psalms. I hope those that reminder of those three questions is helpful for you as you might consider saying use the psalms uh, in your own home, in your own life, whatever it might be. But now we should turn to the text of Psalm 33. And then, of course, first we're going to ask, why would the original author write these words? Now, okay, a lot of times uh, at, at the top of a psalm, we, we have a little heading that tells us something about who wrote it or or the occasion for which it, it was used. In this case, though, we, we don't have any help from a heading as as to who wrote it which or, or why they wrote it, which, which means we really don't have a clue about the author. Uh, we can get some sense of why someone would write the psalm, however, from its placement in the Psalter. Right? So, so sometimes the order of the psalms uh, can tell us something more about a particular psalm. So, so maybe you noticed that in this series I skip Psalm 31 and, and 32, and, and the simple reason for that is that there have been recent sermons at LCPC uh, on those psalms. Uh, but we can get a feel for, for Psalm 33 by thinking briefly about Psalm 32. So David wrote, David wrote Psalm 32 about forgiveness of sin. And in closing, that reflection on the blessing of forgiveness, David ended Psalm 32 by, by saying in verses 10 and 11, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord, theme that comes up at the end of Psalm 33. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So David ended Psalm 32 with a summons to rejoice in the Lord. And what do we see at the beginning of Psalm 33? Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So, so the first three verses of, of Psalm 33 outline a, a generous position of praise. And, and before we kind of consider them in more detail, we should link them to Psalm 32. These verses are the response 
to David's summons to praise. So under the inspiration of the Spirit, the person who put the Psalms in order, so, so multiple people wrote them, most of them are by David, but, but once they were all written, somebody under the Spirit's inspiration put them together in, in the order that we find them in, in the Bible. And they tied Psalm 33, this psalm of praise, to the end of a psalm about forgiveness that ended in a summons to praise. Now, in that regard, I think it's not insignificant that Psalm 33 praises, goes on to praise God for his work in creation, providence, and salvation. I mean, right, to, to put this point as clearly as, as I know how, as Psalm 32 indicates, right? So being forgiven by God is the reason that we can praise God as creator, sustainer, and redeemer. To put this another way, it is not good news that God is the maker, sustainer, and rescuer if we don't have forgiveness of sins. The, the forgiveness of our sin makes it good news that God is God. For unbelievers, right? For sinners without salvation, that's ominous news. But for believers, it's cause to sing. So then, this song goes on to celebrate those things, verses 4 to 9. Celebrate work in creation. His God, they praise God as creator. And there are two notable features within this section. Okay, right. So the first one is the power of God's word. Let me just highlight some phrases for you. For the word of the Lord is upright. By the word of the Lord, heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Verse 9, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. God's power is firmly expressed in his word. God doesn't need weapons. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need the forces of nature, even God especially in his act of creation, is powerful in his voice, his word. And that should be of immense comfort that as we consider the scripture, we know that God's word is before us. We cast our eyes on the thing that is described as God's power itself. Take heart, Christian, that you hold a Bible in your hand God's word made the world. God's word can uphold you. So, okay, the second notable feature, though, in, in these first, uh, or in this, this section of verses four to nine, is God's goodness. Okay, right, so verse four. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Verse 5, he loves righteousness and justice. Right? Okay, so God is powerful and good as his creative works 
show. God is righteous and he prefers, he insists, he delights in justice. God is powerful as his word shows and he is good as his righteousness shows. And all of that is clear in creation. Now, okay, the the second section of, of this psalm praises God for his providence in history. So verses 10 to 15 are, are about God governing all of history and directing it for his glory and his people's good. So let's, let's highlight verses 10 and 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Right, so we see that God is the sustainer of history. He is working in all events. And that means that everything that's going on around us right now is in the hands of the Lord. He is bringing it about. He is directing it for his purposes. And we need to remember, Christian, that when he is doing that, he is doing that for our good. That may be difficult to see right now, but God is supervening over history, acting within it. He is bringing about the events that please him. And we have to remember that the events that please him are good for his people. Now, okay, last section uh, is verses 16 to 22, which are specifically about God's help for his people. God's rescuing power if you were paying attention, has already been rooted in his choice, in his election of his people. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, that could be any nation that uh, belongs to God uh, from that perspective, right? But this verse goes on to tell us that that the group whose God is the Lord are the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. This verse makes very clear that the people who belong to God aren't his by their choice, but by the Lord's. So God elects his people. And then verses 16 to 22 tell us about what God does for his people, right? The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. In contrast to to the world's expectations, God does not make his people depend on our own strength. He comes to our aid to rescue us. Our soul waits for him because he is our deliverer. So we clearly see how this psalm comes from a heart ready to praise. The person who knows the forgiveness of sins, as described in Psalm 32, rejoices, as in Psalm 33, in God as the creator, sustainer, and deliverer. Okay, so that... that that so far gives us an idea of the original horizon of this psalm why someone would write these words to give praise to God 
And so the second step of, of working through this psalm is to ask what first application that comes fairly directly to us can we make? And I think the first things that we might ask here are, well, do you know the forgiveness of sins? Have you come to Jesus Christ as your Savior so that you might be forgiven? If you have the forgiveness of sins, then have you taken time to reflect on the blessings that you know it is to be joined in communion with the living God? This psalm takes a pretty wide view of history. Right? Well, we've already seen that and praises God for his governing power. And that is certainly something worth our thoughts right now. D despite the calamity around us, what it is, what it might be. Uh, and we need to remind ourselves that Israel was no stranger to calamity. Still, we can rejoice that God is in charge of history. We can rejoice at that because God is our deliverer. We may not see how our earthly provisions will overcome the difficulties in front of us. But God's people do not depend on the strength of horses. That's a false hope. And we may not have a fleet of literal horses, an actual army before us, but how often do we try to depend on the things that we can do, the things in our hands, the things that we try to use to mold creation, instead of relying on those false hopes? We remember that the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Christian, God is looking at you at all times. He knows where you are and he knows what your struggles are. He is watching with the loving eye of the Heavenly Father who rescues us before we fall. And so our second application is to remember that things may seem dire, but we can be thankful people because we do not depend on our own strength, on our own devices. We depend on the God of the universe. Last, last step, right? Uh, how does the psalm point us to Christ? We can think about how Christ fulfills, of course, that main point that forgiveness of sin establishes our reason to praise God in all things. We should think here of Romans 8.32, if we, if we think about the forgiveness of sins giving way to the reason for praising God in all things, Romans 8.32 helps us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, the forgiveness of sins procured, right? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And this is such a priceless gift that he would give us that 
everything else that God could give us is minuscule in comparison. That is what we saw in Psalm 33, that having God's forgiveness leads us to praise him as the creator, sustainer, and deliverer. That finds its yes and amen in Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to, for, to secure your forgiven status in God's sight. And now Christ stands in heaven to intercede for us. We have God's own Son on our side, pleading our case, bearing our prayers, burdens, and needs before the divine throne. Why then would we ever try to depend on our own strength? We have the strength of God's own Son pleading our case. There's no better place to be than that, which is why we should be so thankful, why we should remain a thankful people. We know that we are safe in God's hands because he put nails through his son's hands to ensure that he would be good to us forever. Let's pray. Father God, as we look around the world, it is, it is easy to be distressed. Whether that is because of things uh, that are right in front of us, whether that is because we fear illness, whether that is because we are afraid of this coronavirus and what it might do to our family if we were to get it. Perhaps we are afraid of what it means for what the world looks like on the other side of this season. Perhaps uh, we are afraid of the economics. Perhaps we are struggling in this time and we don't know what the future holds. Despite all that, Lord, even more things. We know that there are riots, that there are protests that have turned violent around the world, that people are noticing uh, and are angry at genuine injustices, and some injustices are spilling out of that. And God, that's a frightening thing. And yet, despite all of that, Lord God, you are the Lord God. You are the sovereign over history. You are the maker of the sustainer of all things. You hold them in your hands. The hearts of kings are like water in your fingers. You direct them as you please. You point the events of this world according to your good purposes. You love justice and uprightness. And whatever injustice we see right now, you will eventually erase and deal with whether it be in this world or the next. And so we give you praise that we belong to you. In the midst of great turmoil, there is no place to find greater rest than in the hands of our God. And so we rejoice that we are yours. We sing praises to you. Our hearts cry out in joy that we belong to the living God. We ask that you would work thankfulness in us this week, that you would help us, that you would, that you would grow us in these things. We pray that you would bless people as they go to work, as they go to school, 
Lord, returning to these things can be frightening, uh, overwhelming, but Lord, we pray that you would give all the people of LCPC peace, comfort, and ease, whatever they may have going on in their lives, that you would protect them from illness, but also other calamities that may be developing. And Lord, remind them that they belong to you. And if you have given Christ for us, how will you not graciously give us all things? We pray this in the name of Jesus.